1: Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider from inside the Indiana Convention Center at the NFL Combine. Matthew Collar here, and joining me, he covers the Minnesota Vikings for SI.com, Will Raggetts. What is up, Will?
0: Not a whole lot. Just enjoying my uh, first time being here in Indianapolis for the Combine and uh, taking it all in. Yesterday was, was
1: pretty cool, so how are you? I- I'm doing great. I was going to ask you about your Combine experience so far, uh, because I... I'm giving myself full credit for convincing you to decide to come because I, I think it's worth it for one to be able to sit down in a very small group with Kwesi Mensa and Kevin O'Connell, which was very insightful yesterday. And that's what we're going to talk more about. I know Sage and I discussed it. but We're going to talk more about it. Um, that's part of it. But also just to see sort of the spectacle that is the entire NFL world converging on this relatively small town of Indianapolis.
0: Yeah, it's it's been cool so Just walking around and seeing all these people in this in this media area that I recognize from Twitter or that I've been reading for a long time and um walking around the the chaos of the uh, interview area yesterday where they had the all the TV studios and the radio area and um I think does, does our credential get us into Lucas Oil? No, it does not. It does not. Okay. Well, that's too bad, but we are, uh, yeah, we're still we're still here, and uh, it's been it's been interesting so far.
1: Is there anything happening inside Lucas Oil that like? I guess it's just
0: like that's where the testing events are going to happen. A lot yeah. of them eventually, but yeah,
1: and that's the f- the funny thing about it. That's hard to explain to friends and family who aren't extreme football fans. Is yes, I'm going. No, I can't watch them do anything, but it's worth it somehow. Uh, and the ways in which it's worth it mostly are in being able to talk with the head coach and the GM in a setting where they're not at a podium. I mean, they are for one of their interviews, but our sit down with them is just invaluable to get to talk it in, in more of like a quiet, just a couple of people. I mean, it's very rare that you get that Cause usually it's cameras and it's, you know, being in front of the Vikings logo that's sponsored behind them and all those sorts of things. And so it's, it's only really once a year where you're sitting down with, it was just like, how many of us were there? Five or six. Uh, And to, to be able to really get answers to the questions you want. And this year is a a little unique because we're talking so much about the quarterback situation. Uh, But, I think that that alone is worth it. And then just getting to know a lot of people. Like, Is there anybody that looks very different from what they look like on Twitter?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, not necessarily. Uh, it is interesting to see like more than just somebody's face. Like, oh, this person's kind of tall or this person is shorter than I expected. Not, I don't have any names off the top of my head. But, yeah, I, I think just coming uh, to Indy for this whole thing was worth it just for yesterday afternoon. Uh, and getting to sit down and uh, kind of hear some some answers from from both of those, from both Kevin and Kwesi, uh, in a, just a more casual setting. I mean, still on the record stuff, and they weren't like giving away any secrets. But uh, it was it was so much more interesting than that podium session that Kwesi did yesterday, where like he's getting asked about all kinds of random things that aren't particularly interesting to what we're doing. So uh, I, I thought that was really valuable.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I would say Brad Spielberger is much taller than I expected. I thought that Brad was probably average height, maybe like 5'10". No, he's like 6'6". <laughs> uh, he's like the center on your rec league basketball team. Uh, so I did not expect that. But, yeah, it's it's usually funny of people you haven't met yet but you follow or talk with on Twitter where you're like, great to meet you, I think, Yeah. but we've met sort of and we like does a zoom count as meeting not really uh so that's yeah that's kind of a funny experience uh let me quickly tell my three funniest things that have happened to me so far in indie you uh you've got time still to have funny things happen to you first the first night i was talking with chris collinsworth and a bunch of people came up and were asking for autographs which i thought was kind of strange your autograph
0: or for chris collinsworth's
1: autograph uh, definitely mine they were like purple insider what Um, no for Chris Collinsworth. Yeah. So, and I was like, this is weird. I mean, you don't see like autograph people here because everyone is around the NFL. So reporters don't ask for autographs and other football people would not do that either. It turns out that there was a conference here for vets who help pigs. I'm not making that up. That's the real thing. It was like veterinary people who do work with pigs and so the pig people were extremely excited to see Chris Collinsworth. And he was incredibly nice to them. I mean, he, d- he asked them where they were from. He asked them, like, what they were doing, what a pig conference is, like, everything. It was that was super funny.
0: Which is classic Chris Collinsworth, too.
1: He really is the nicest person. Yeah. Um, and so I was not surprised by that. This morning, way before I was awake, I was approached by the Houston Texans team website to ask me wonderlick questions and i got every single one of them wrong so there's going to be me somewhere on the houston texans website within the next few days getting a bunch of wonderlick questions wrong i mean they were asking things that i was just not prepared to answer
0: yeah like early in the morning and just you're on the street i don't think i would have done well either
1: they asked me how many states border oklahoma I was like, dude, I don't want to answer this. I have no idea. Like, first, I can't visualize a map. Second, I really can't do it at 9 o'clock in the morning. And, and why, why are you doing this to me? And I was, you know, like, I wanted to help with the content. Like, oh, I know that everybody's here, you know, searching for content, trying to interview people. But I was hoping they would ask me, like, what do you think of the event? Should it stay in Indianapolis? And they're like, you know, what's a multiple of .08? I'm like, come on. Come on. Stop that. Now, what was the other one? There was one more thing that was funny that happened to me. Uh, Oh, I know what it was. Last night, uh, Steve Palazzolo, who you talk about people who are taller than you expect. I know Steve is tall, but he's like 6'9". Oh, my God. Yeah, he's like towering over the rest of humanity. And so Steve Palazzolo, we did an entire show once about how much he loved the Jaguars because we were trying to relate like Kirk Cousins to Mark Brunel and are the Vikings kind of Jaguarish from the 90s and late or early 2000s. And so I'm standing next to Steve talking with him and he sees Mark Brunel. And so he's like, oh, my God, it's Mark Brunel. And I, as I was just saying, you're not supposed to fanboy people here. Mm-hmm. But like this, is, like this is his hero. This is his favorite player. And so he's like, oh my God, it's Mark Brunel. And so Mark Brunel just walks by. And I was like, oh, just go say hi, man. Just go say, like, you really enjoyed watching him play or whatever. And he's like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. So another guy for PFF goes and grabs Mark Brunel. And they come over. And Mark Brunel's kind of like, what? Why is this giant man, like, approaching me? You know, it was. Uh, so he shakes Steve's hand. And it just made his entire life because he just worships the late 90s Jaguars. So that those is, are the things that happen at the combine. That
0: is classic, like, you're at like a, a middle school dance or something, and you want to talk to this girl, but you don't want to go over there. So then your friend like, yes. bring, brings you over there. Not that this has ever happened to me. I'm just speaking hypothetically. But um, yeah, those are some pretty good stories. I don't have anything too entertaining yet. I mean, I went out to dinner last night, and there was trivia there. So me and my friend stayed and did quite terribly. Um, but that's about it. I, but I've just enjoyed kind of walking around the city. I was here six years ago this week. Uh, I was covering the Big Ten women's basketball tournament. Oh yeah, my wife which, is broadcasting, which is also yeah. going on right now. And I might go to the Northwestern Minnesota game later. We'll see. When is that? Um, it's like like six thirty. Um. Nice. So, because I, I have a friend who works in the uh, Northwestern women's basketball program, but we're getting we're getting way off a- as one we, does. Should we talk about the Minnesota Vikings? Yeah,
1: we can. Yes. Uh, Actually, this is it is funny though because my wife is broadcasting eight games for the women's basketball tournament on Big Ten Network. And so we're in the same city at the same time and have not seen each other yet because yeah. she's busy with that. And I have I was up until like 2 a.m. writing last night trying to capture what we heard from Kevin O'Connell and Kwasi da Adafalmenza. I want to start with you and your interpretive abilities. The last thing that I asked Kevin O'Connell, I want your reaction to. They, they were like okay you know any more questions or whatever and i just said did you tell matt stafford to throw it no look and he like lit up of course i mean he just won the super bowl with the guy but he lit up and he talked for like five more minutes it felt like about how stafford has this crazy ability to do insane throws without like being off schedule like on schedule insane throws and we never talk about that with kirk cousins because we're always like saying, well, when he's on schedule and everything else. But something like that is not something we've ever seen from him. Like, uh, I, I ran into a really crazy number about how Stafford threw like 12% of his passes and in the middle of the field, and Kirk Cousins threw 4%. Like, the, the, the risk aversion goes beyond just. Hey, when he's got a bootleg, he'll throw it to that guy wide open. Or hey, when he's under pressure, he doesn't do well. I think there's so much more to it. I thought that that was really interesting. How excited Kevin O'Connell got to talk about it, and as we sort of parse through what do they know, what do they think, all those kind of things, that moment that st- sort of stood out to me, what he was able to say about why Stafford was so good with the Rams.
0: Yeah, that was that was an interesting moment because I could tell it was just you like throwing out a little one-liner at the end of the press conference, and uh, maybe Kevin O'Connell be like, oh, no, I didn't, and then we'd be done. But instead, he talks for, like, three minutes about Matthew Stafford and what makes him uh, great, and a a throw like that coming within the structure of the offense is is pretty impressive. Um, Yeah, I think... It's pretty clear that if you gave Kevin O'Connell the choice of who he would rather have, I think he would take Stafford. Um, obviously, that is not an option. Uh, and I do think he legitimately likes a lot of things about Kirk Cousins. But as you said, one thing about Kirk Cousins is he's not going to uh, really rip those like tight window balls over the middle of the field. We've seen it before. Uh, I mean, this, when you play as much football as he has, there are some examples of that. But I wonder if he also feels just... I mean, on the one hand, it's just the way he plays the game is is processing it, following his reads, taking what's open. And he's really talented at throwing those like slot fades to Justin Jefferson on the sideline and and hitting beautiful throws within the structure of the offense um, towards the boundary. Um, And I just wonder if he feels like he's been burned a few times over the middle, because I think we've seen some of his um, worst interceptions. I, I, I think of like Deion Jones on the Falcons in 2020, right over the middle and he had one sort of over the middle against the Niners this past year that was caught by a linebacker. I don't know. Um, it's it's just interesting to to think about the difference in styles and and the way those two quarterbacks who have put up very similar numbers over the years uh, and Stafford hadn't had the results either until this year. Just just to, see, to compare the way they play the game.
1: The question for me is like how clear eyed are they about Cousins? And I came away from yesterday thinking very. And, you know, they're complimentary of him, but also leave breadcrumbs for you to follow to exactly what they think. I mean, with... At the podium, Kwasi adafo is saying, like, when you give him favorable circumstances, he's good, which everybody knows, but it's also sort of an acknowledgement of the other half of that sentence, which is, when you don't, it's not. And the numbers are right there. I mean, he averaged 5.1 yards per attempt when under pressure. That was the third lowest in the entire NFL. I mean, so when things go wrong, like, the numbers are right there. It's, it's not good. And there were also comments about... You know, going off schedule being different than just running around. And let me see if I could grab this from uh, Kevin O'Connell. He said, Kevin O'Connell said, being able to create off schedule, everybody wants that. (coughs) Uh, And then he said, you're in search of that as part of your offense, sometimes because it's the off-schedule things that you didn't plan for that can be game-changing plays off-schedule doesn't ha- have to mean athletic ability to outrun an opponent get on the edge and launch the ball 60 yards maybe it's a second window throw or a second reaction type throw which again like those are not really Kirk Cousins traits and and and, and so the question is like, okay are we reading into too much that's just football talk or is it laying the breadcrumbs there to follow to yeah we're we're very aware that Cousins is not a guy that we can stick with long term but also we can't trash Cousins or we can't tell you oh we're definitely trading him because we don't know what the offers are
0: yeah and, and i mean Quasey said that yesterday like he's have he's having conversations with people here agents like are you interested in my player well what's the price it, it's the case like that with with free agents it's that's the case with trades uh, he said, "I mean, anything is in play for every single player, and they're just they're in a kind of fascinating position because they obviously know what Kirk Cousins is, and also what he isn't, and he's their quarterback right now. They are almost certainly not going to find anybody better to play the position of quarterback for them this season." So. From that regard, yeah, they're not. Obviously, they're they're never going to trash him. They're gonna they're gonna praise him, and um, he does all these things well that are a lot of things that that quarterbacks across the NFL want to do well. That's something we've heard from from Kevin. Um, but they also know that he has limitations, and so I just I don't know. I didn't come away from yesterday's sessions convinced like oh they're going to sign him to an extension, and those talks are ongoing. That'll depend on the price. We I think it's I think it's pretty common knowledge that Kirk Cousins is not going to take any sort of pay cut on an extension he's going to want to be paid at or above market value uh, and get the most out of it which good for him he should but um, that's that's just what makes this spot there in this kind of limbo spot where he has one year left on his deal uh, they like him but O'Connell also just came from a quarterback in, in Matthew Stafford who who shines in some of the areas where Kirk Cousins doesn't uh, so what, what's the decision going to be? I don't know. They kind of, we, we, heard both sides of it. We've heard both sides of it, even in their introductory press conferences. And I thought the, the tone was similar yesterday where they're praising him, but they're also, they're hedging a little bit and,
1: and keeping their options open. I'm going to read another one to you. That's pretty good from Quasi Adafalmenta. He said, he talked with Mike McCartney, the God agent, Mike represent me. Um, he said, I talked with Mike McCartney in depth He's a great person to me. We have mutual friends. We had dinner together. Oh, Kwasi having dinner with Kirk Cousins' agent. Interesting. But we just talked generally about the vision for our team and what we want to accomplish. And look, those conversations are ongoing. I can't tell you anything at the moment. We will do whatever's best for the Minnesota Vikings, and Kirk will do whatever's best for Kirk. And he always does. And so that to me was they're not – making it easy on us to just fiddle with this contract or give him an extension. Because I do think that if they said, and then in this world has never existed, but if they said, all right, like three years, 75 mil, Lower that, you know, lower that cap hit way down to what you're really worth as the 18th best quarterback in the league or whatever they think of him. I call him the 18th best because that's what the NFL thinks, because that's what when Mike Sando pulled all the NFL people, that's where he ranked. So if that's how the NFL thinks of it and it was a real scale, a real scale, you would have Rogers making 40 and then on down and making 25 wouldn't be an insult, but it doesn't work that way. Uh, And so if you're you're Mike McCartney, I don't see why you sign an extension either, because there is oil brewing underneath the surface that's about to explode in terms of NFL money a year from now. And this man knows that. And so does Kirk Cousins. They know that that TV money is coming in and the salary cap is going to go up by, I don't know, 33%, if not more, over the next couple of years. So what what reason does he have to sign an extension? And then Adolfo Mensa also had a comment about next year versus the next five years, Mm -hmm. which I thought kind of pointed to keep Kirk for this year and then draft a quarterback that you want to develop or take a shot on this year, whether that's in the first round or second round. I don't know. Um, But
0: I'll, I'll read, I'll read another quote because I thought a lot of these were good. Okay. And that's the one you just talked about. He said, I mean, look, ultimately, to win at the highest level, it's pretty hard to do without good quarterback play. So globally, that question needs to be answered. Now, does it need to be answered this year versus the next five years and things like that? It's trying to be smart about how you try to answer that question generally to sustain success in the NFL. But again, he's under contract, Kirk's our quarterback. He's a really good player. I think he's going to play at a high level, blah, blah, blah.
1: So To me, that screams we're going to play this out or trade him that there's no extension that it's like solve it for next year versus solve it for 5 years.
0: And I think that can make sense from both sides because as you said, why would Kirk Cousins and his agent want to take an extension now when they don't know what's going to happen with the salary cap? And we've seen that from Kirk his whole career that he's he likes to keep the flexibility. I mean, he took multiple franchise tags in Washington which like nobody does, especially a quarterback. So he's always he hasn't been afraid to kind of bet on himself. And reevaluate in in a year or two, and even his even as Vikings contracts were like a three year deal, and then a two year extension, and um, just kind of keeping that flexibility because they, they know that 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 cap is only going to rise. Um, so well, unless unless there's a global pandemic, then it, that causes it to fall temporarily. But um, yeah, and from the Vikings perspective, I, I've just I've never really been convinced that Quayseedoffo Dolphomensa and Kevin O'Connell are going to come in here and hitch their wagon for two or three years to this guy who is a talented quarterback, but objectively has not elevated teams and won games at a $40 million level across playing for the Vikings and different offensive coordinators and playing in Washington and some great assistant coaches that they had there during his time. That just just has never really made that much sense to me. So that's why I think the option of keeping the flexibility open, I don't know if they can if they can add void years or whatever to restructure where he's still uh, gonna only be under contract for one more year, um, but lower the cap hit a little bit. I think Cousins and his agent might have to agree to that. I don't know why they wouldn't, um, but yeah, I think that that option of the one year keeping the flexibility open has kind of always made sense for both sides. And we even heard a, uh, a little from from Kwesi and uh, Kevin yesterday, which I know you've talked about before, that they said, hey, people are saying this is a bad quarterback draft. Uh, I think they said that about uh, the 2017 draft with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, too, uh, where Mitchell Trubisky went second overall. So uh, they they had some praise, and and they they met with the quarterbacks, as you do every year, even if you have a um, sustainable long-term option. So.
1: Folks, we've got an even better offer to tell you about from Soda Stick. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, one word, you can get 15% off your purchase. That's right. At SodaStick.com, your place for Minnesota sports-inspired apparel, you can get 15% off just by using the code PURPLEINSIDER. I've told you about all the great football designs, but they've added a few more, including the Axe is Back for Minnesota football fans. You can get that on a shirt, on a hat, and also Randy Bosses, the Goat, the Purple People Eaters, Bud Grant designs for the old school fan, plus the hockey and basketball teams are both actually exciting this year. And Soda Stick has you covered there as well. Go to SodaStick.com, that is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, and use the code PurpleInsider for 15% off.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch,
1: and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it? same comment on the show just about like go back and look they were saying there's no elite talent the league drafted two running backs before Mahomes and Watson these people don't know what they're doing when it comes to the quarterbacks because no one knows what they're doing when it comes to the quarterbacks no one can guess and that was really interesting to hear a general manager acknowledge that no one knows what they're doing and I feel like if you know what you don't know, you can actually make better decisions. And that was imp- really impressive to me that Kwasi Mensa said the draft is random. That was the exact words. The draft is random. So if you follow someone on Twitter who claims to know who's going to be a success and who's not, the general manager of the Vikings who went to Princeton ha- said the draft is random. <laughs> okay. Because he studied it the same way that I've read the studies too, that probably he has, or that he's done by himself. And What that means is you're trying to just find small edges in that, and that might be positional value, which you asked him about. Uh, It might be in something that you spot as uh, a correlator to success or something like that. But I think once you sort of free yourself of the shackles of, I can pick these guys, um, it helps you make much better decisions, especially with the quarterbacks, because if you say, look, I don't actually know – Then you end up not passing on Mac Jones because instead of saying, well, you know, look, his footwork uh, is good, but he's not fast enough or whatever, whatever the criticisms were about him. You end up landing him by saying, look, he's a first round talent, but I don't know if he'll be good. Boom, just take him instead of focusing too much on sort of the the forest through the trees type of deal, um, which sort of gave me some confidence that they're actually looking very close at these quarterbacks and looking at their potential and you think about the ones that the league has been uh maybe not so great on a lot of times it is guys who are great athletes which sort of points me in the malik willis direction i mean you think about just like they failed in 2017 but they also failed horribly in 2018 as well lamar jackson and josh allen would be number one and number two overall draft picks if you knew anything about what they became yeah and yet instead lamar jackson is 32nd and josh allen it, it, even for well, I think he was eighth, but even that's ridiculous Behind compared to what
0: Baker and right. Darnold and Rosen. Right
1: compared to what well, he Rosen became. was like
0: tenth, but yeah,
1: right compared to what Allen became, he would have easily been number one or number two overall, which again tells you they don't know what they're doing, and so I, I think that that is actually the edge is in knowing that, mm-hmm. um, because then you can make better decisions around the idea that you can't really know.
0: Yeah, and I, I liked you. You brought it up to. Quasi, like, yeah, the draft is random, and he agreed that it is random. He did say, like, what he's trying to do is, well, A, start out with the understanding that it's random and you don't have a golden wand, was the way he described it, but that you're trying to just find these little margins, and if you can do that and stack that up over time, that's going to add up and give you a big edge. And, obviously, that's much easier said than done, but that's where the data uh, and, and the methods and the predictive stuff that he's trying to do with... What people call analytics—the way of thinking and the processes—they're trying to find that little edge. And he said that there's certain positions um, that are harder, and and there's certain areas where um, maybe that a little advantage you have is going to be more important. And I, like that is the first round. You you any any type of advantage you have will be bigger if you can hit it right in that first round with those with those early round picks. But yeah, you bringing up Malik Willis is interesting because I think I think he's going to benefit just from the success of. Josh Allen, and Justin Herbert. I agree. Um, like, And that's the thing. I, I There was a mock draft on PFF with Steve Steve Palazzolo, yep. the very tall, um, who had him going to the Vikings at, at 12. And I, I, I was thinking, like, I don't even know if he's necessarily going to make it there because I just think some team will see the Allen success, see the Herbert, and, and just think, like, all right, this is the guy in this draft who has the tools to potentially become that. And his tape is there's a lot of inconsistency and, like, some accuracy issues. And, like, he didn't have to do a whole ton of, like, first, second, third read processing in Liberty's offense. But I just think that physical upside, if you you think, all right, I like my coaching staff, my player development, we can come in. And um, I think somebody said it was, like, players – I think it was O'Connell – that, like, players come in and they're not – like finished products like you can come in and you can improve your throwing mechanics and you can improve like Josh Allen is the great example of that that's not necessarily super repeatable because that was a a crazy kind of transformation he made but if you get somebody with the right tools and you believe in your development like they can get better at certain things that are are weaknesses coming into the draft so I just the, the, the physical raw upside that he has with both his arm his legs everything I think some team is going to think that they can mold him into the next Allen or Herbert and, and take him in in the first round. I don't know where that'll be, but yeah,
1: okay, I do. I do want to talk about some other things that we got because I entirely wrote about the quarterbacks and entirely talked about the quarterbacks because everything else feels ridiculous in comparison. It's yeah. just like we'll talk about what he said about Ezra Cleveland, but it was <laughs> like uh, who was sitting next to me? Maybe it was Chad Graff, and I saw Chad write a note after he said. That he loved Ezra Cleveland, and I was just like, "Come on, Chad! Like, what, what, what difference does it make? Are you writing that, Chad? Are you writing the feature, the athletic in-depth feature about how much they love Ezra Cleveland?" I I
0: tweeted that quote, but I wasn't (laughs) gonna like make a story out of it. But hey, they they think Ezra Cleveland's gonna make that jump in year three, which which would be a big deal because Vikings fans know that. Guard play is important.
1: I actually do think this is a total aside and not what I was going to ask you. So don't let me get off track. But I do think they're going to build a good offensive line. I mean, this is a thing with Kwesi coming from the 49ers and coming from Cleveland, where they put a ton of emphasis on that. And they did a really great job of building offensive lines and they're not that far away if you quote love Ezra Cleveland, which I thought he was fine last year, and that's all you need to be. Like You can't have five superstars unless you're the Dallas Cowboys of the early 90s, or even the Dallas Cowboys of like 2016, but that's not going to happen very often. Five solid with a couple of stars is a great offensive line most of the time, and they have two positions that it's like, just cratering what they're able to do at center and at right guard but the, having the tackles filled I mean Kwesi seemed like really happy uh Kwesi's smiles go between a grin and like this huge smile that yeah. he has and it was like when he was talking about the offensive line and the tackles he just like got this huge smile of, like, that
0: was the same smile he did when Chad asked him if he would be okay uh, with Kirk Cousins playing one more year on $45 million. He was like, define okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and right, la- right, And laughing. But, right. yeah, he, uh, he he actually, I was listening to the audio, because I think I was transcribing this part of it, and he was uh, talking about the tackles. He was like, thankful, he was like, going to say thank God, but he yeah. was like, thankful that we uh, we have these two tackles, because, yeah, that's such a huge thing to walk in, and you got one on a rookie contract in Derrisaw who looks like he's going to be really good, one who's a pro bowler on a... a Fairly reasonable second contract, so that's that's a huge thing. Um, what were you What were you gonna ask? About?
1: I, I was gonna ask. I, I just ran a uh, PFF draft sim, and it came up with all the quarterbacks being available when the Vikings pick.
0: Yeah. So, which I think will usually be the case in those in those draft sims, or at least frequently.
1: That was going to be my question: Is do you think they will have the pick of the litter?
0: I, I think the only one that I can see. I mean, this is pre like combine throwing and pro day, and they're doing that testing and stuff later. I think the the quarterbacks throw Thursday, tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah, Yeah. which is Thursday. Um, Nailed it. Which I guess we won't be able to see because we can't get into Lucas Oil, Um, which I didn't realize, but it's fine. Uh, I've just never been inside that building. I thought it'd be cool, but anyways, um, I think the Vikings. Yeah, I think I think there's a decent chance that when they come up at 12 that all the quarterbacks will still be sitting there. And if if one's gone it's probably going to be Willis. All
1: right, so there are yeah, some other um, topics I want to talk about, but I was I was going to ask you for a hot take on every single one. Just just like your hot your pre they, they haven't thrown yet and there hasn't been the like rumors and buzz. Although this this class sort of lacks controversy as in in previous years it was is Lamar, a wide receiver. Like yeah. there there isn't that type of thing and maybe they've learned their lesson to not do that because you end up looking completely ridiculous. Yeah. Can you pick, pick its hands size? Can you pick its hands is what I was going to say. It's probably the only thing they haven't measured yet as we talk right now. Um but I want you to just give me give me like what is your hottest take at this point in the game on the quarterback class? Yeah. Um You have you have a guy? It's, it's okay a, to have a guy and also acknowledge that you might be completely wrong. Yeah, I I like Sam Howell.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not like an expert on this quarterback class who has grinded all the tape. I've, I've seen most of these guys play at least a game or so. But um, I think Sam Howell is interesting because he is a guy who was really, really good in 2020 when he had, I mean, kind of a loaded off. He had two running backs that got drafted. He had a couple really good receivers. Uh, and then, Unsurprisingly, when all those guys were in the NFL this past year, he wasn't as good. But he kind of adjusted and um, made a bunch of plays with his legs, which I thought was was impressive. I think he's got uh, this. I'm not even this isn't even a hot take, but I think he has a chance to be. Um, I think he has a chance to be the best quarterback. I mean, they all have a chance to be the best quarterback. Right, right. That's not a hot take, like Desmond Ritter or Carson Strong or whoever could be the best quarterback out of this this class. I'm I i do not really see it with Pickett. Um, I like Howell more than Pickett at this point. Uh, old takes exposed that nobody's going to come back to me saying that. But um, yeah, I, I also this is totally random, but I saw a Twitter clip of Howell talking to reporters this morning, and they were asking him what the like weirdest question he got asked by a team was, and he said it wasn't a question, but that the Eagles made him shoot basketballs on a mini hoop, and uh, <laughs> he went two for five, so he doesn't think he's very high on their board. Mm. Um, what could what do you what would be the like rationale for doing that like what what could you gain out of
1: i don't i don't really understand the, that. The, the only thing that i could figure out from that is that maybe teams want to see like how much focus you put into something that's just like a ridiculous task because yeah. so like i the competitive I heard, aspect I yeah know. i heard this story once about Derek jeter that uh from a scout who worked for the yankees that told me that in batting practice every day Derek Jeter would have competitions with his teammates and he would try to hit line drives like off the foul line on purpose, like in batting practice. And it would be first one to do it. And I'm sure there was money thrown around and things like that, that Derek Jeter was so insanely competitive about everything that he did that every day, everything was a competition to him. And I think you're looking for that of not, did you make it? But did you focus? Did you take it seriously? Mm-hmm. Like, they told you to shoot this basketball. Okay, I'm going to try as hard as I possibly can yeah. to make this. Or you just sort of fling it at the basket and don't take it seriously. Yeah.
0: Like Michael Jordan or like Jimmy Butler, just like terrorizing teammates in practice because that's the type of person they are.
1: Yes, and you're not necessarily looking for terrorizing teammates. But <laughs> no, but th- th- that level of being competitive about everything you've heard of other stuff that they've done like rock paper scissors or staring contests mm-hmm. i will say i think that is completely absurd yeah and makes no sense uh, but it's more of they're asking you to do it so are you going to take it seriously and do it because mm-hmm. the team is asking you to do it you're not asking them well what do you mean now i think that it's actually good if you have players who ask well, why would you want me to shoot this basketball? Like, great, I'll explain it to you. I think that's totally fine. I think any of these other things are sort of you just. You can't question anything, though, because then games. you're going to
0: be like the Josh Rosen who doesn't right. love the game. Yeah, right, Doesn't have the right. passion. Like, and no, but, yeah, that, I mean, we are kind of all over the place right now, but I, I would share some breaking news that oh. Kyle Rudolph was just released by the Giants. No, oh, you hate to see former it. Former Viking. Uh, I don't think he's coming back. Did Minnesota. you think he's about Kyle old.
1: Rudolph a single time since he left?
0: Uh, the only time I did, well, he like scored a, he had like a 50 yard catch once and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I was at a Timberwolves game the other day and he was there and I was like, okay, that's, he's still in, he's still a Minnesota guy. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mean to say that in like an insulting no, way. It, it, no, it I, was, I just, I just mean that when Kyle Rudolph left, we all kind of went like, okay, well, yeah. yeah.
0: And obviously then him getting released by a new team a year later kind of suggested the vikings made the right call there
1: oh they but. yeah they definitely did and the fact that tyler conklin was good like tyler conklin deserved his chance and showed that he could play uh is just unfortunate that irv smith got hurt but had he not gotten hurt they would have had the right guy there that tyler conklin is a better tight end at this moment than kyle rudolph yeah so
0: one yeah, thing I, I this again this is just jumping to a different topic one thing i wanted to ask your opinion of because i asked kwacy about positional value yesterday and, like, how much does, does do you weigh, like, the importance of a, a cornerback versus a safety or a defensive end versus a defensive tackle and just the, the ability to impact the game. Uh, and, and specifically with Quasey, I was going to ask him this, but I ran out of time. But he, when he was at, at with the 49ers, uh, it was something like four out of five years they drafted a defensive lineman in the first round. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much impact he had on that, but it was, like, Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, uh, a year off, Nick Bosa. I don't think that was the right order, but it, I mean, he he clearly that was a kind of a concerted effort. I don't think that just randomly happened. Right. Uh, and then he also saw in Cleveland the impact of Miles Garrett and Judevia and Clowney. Um, so does that does that lead you to believe at all that for the first time in like twenty years almost the Vikings could draft a? defensive lineman in the first round because that was not even ever something they considered under Rick Spielman. I don't even think they I don't even think this I'm joking but I don't even think they ever like evaluated the top defensive lineman because they were like no we're getting them in the third and fourth round and Andre Patterson you're gonna like it and so do do you think that's something that's possible or do you think they might lean towards the cornerback
1: side? let me ask this question in return is do you think that they would draft a quarterback in the second round, or is it only first round?
0: I I think it would kind of have to be the first round, because doing the second round thing, maybe if you like really like Carson Strong or Desmond Ritter, and they're there at forty six, you take a shot at it, because you know what, you can never take too many shots. But we saw last year that taking the quarterback that's outside of like that perceived top tier with Kellen Mond, yeah, uh, yep, that didn't really. Do anything because it does not look like Kellen Mond is going to turn into uh, NFL st- an NFL starting caliber quarterback. Maybe maybe once he's free from Mike Zimmer, he will show something. I'm skeptical, but I, I think I think you kind of either commit to it and take that swing in the first round, or you don't do it at all. But I don't know.
1: Let me draft him. Let me okay. find out. Let me see what it Who'd looks like.
0: Take? Did you take someone in the first round?
1: Uh, I haven't done it yet. I just pulled it up to get like to see what it would look like. Okay. Let, me dra- let me draft. Let me draft Trayvon Walker and see Georgia what the...
0: defensive lineman.
1: Yeah, to see what uh, the second round looks like. Did I only run the first round? Shoot, I only ran the first round. Hold uh, on,
0: technical difference. Everyone, just wait
1: quietly. <laughs> I'm gonna do two. I'm gonna do two rounds here and see what the quarterback situation is in the second round. And I will answer your question while I'm pushing buttons. Which is, I think, absolutely they would draft a defensive end, especially in a great defensive end draft in the first round. Because the things that PFF studies and other people study and put out there, adafo Davalomenta knows. Mm-hmm. Like that—that—that's something that we need to keep in mind. Now is that any study that's out there that you see that's done by really smart people, uh, you know, that are analytics, wizards, Quasi Adafalmenza has seen it and, and understands it. And one of the things that keeps coming out when they study defensive ends is you really got to get them high and they have to kind of look a certain way. And I think they're going to know that, that drafting guys in the third and fourth round, there's just like a price to play poker size wise, quickness wise, strength wise, all those things at that position specifically that maybe even more so than a lot of other positions like wide receivers kind of come in all different sizes and shapes defensive ends do not
0: yeah uh and and we we've talked about this before but you wonder if they like almost messed up their process for the next five years by drafting daniel hunter and having that work out because that's just such a once in a decade f- type of thing and, and i'm that sure it's not repeatable as we've seen from the uh, DJ Wanhams and Patrick Joneses of the world.
1: Okay, so there are no quarterback Bradley Zappi. There are no quarterbacks. Bailey Zappi? Bailey, whatever. Western it doesn't K- matter what it's So first all
0: of is. the six were gone by f- pick 46? Yes. Interesting. S- I would have thought Ritter yeah. or, or maybe Strong or somebody would be there. Let
1: me see in the draft some where they went. Oh, Desmond Ritter went to Seattle two picks before the Vikings. Okay. Uh, Denver picked Carson Strong 41st in this draft sim. So the answer is if they're not picking a quarterback at all in this draft because Kwesi is smokescreening me and doesn't actually like any of the quarterbacks, then defensive end is number one on my list with a bullet by far ahead of everything else. And part of it is when you talk about value of positions, let's not think about them only in the context of one-year value. What is the five-year and the 10-year value Of hitting on a defensive end versus hitting on a corner, where with corners, they are great, but they're part of a unit. Mm -hmm. Defensive end can kind of be an independent contractor out there, like just one versus one and can make such a huge impact. And we've seen this, we've I mean, how many times have the Vikings been on the wrong end of this? Yeah. If the other team has these monsters on the defensive line. It's just really tough to beat. And like the Los Angeles Rams became the Los Angeles Matt Staffords. And you're like, uh, they had Vaughn Miller and Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. Ashawn Robinson is a great player for them and was spectacular in the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, I think that it has to be a top aim Mm -hmm. to build that. And it starts in the first round, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it's a good point about between an edge rusher and a corner. It's always like, that chicken and egg question like which comes first pressure or coverage and they're both important and they're kind of married together but if you're a really really good corner obviously that's super valuable that you can like match up against an opposing team's number one receiver but the quarterback can kind of also just like ignore you to some extent even if even if you're moving around he can always kind of find you and say all right unless i really need to i'm not gonna throw to that person or that side of the field and if you're a defensive end who's really, really good, they kind of can't completely take you out of it. Like you can, yep. they, can, they can double you or they can chip you, but that's going to then lead to other people having, having one-on-ones. And, and even the great ones, like if you, you double TJ Watt or Aaron Donald or whatever, they're still going to get through it and make plays and, and and make things happen. So they they kind of can wreck a game and, and take over a game in a way that, that corners can't.
1: And there's also schematic ways, as we've seen, to remove those doubles from moving a guy around or shifting the front so we see this sometimes where there's three guys on one side and just the one guy alone on the other side and so it doesn't really give them the option so much they're sending linebackers or rushers in different ways, there's stunts and twists, Like there's lots of ways to defeat those doubles uh, but you're right that It's so clear from Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams that if an offense wants to decide they're going to throw to their top receiver all the time, they will do it and they will succeed. Uh, That there's no, like, Xavier Rhodes was maybe the last guy who shadowed in the league. I never see it, aside from Jalen Ramsey. I never see it. It, 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 It's like if you get that guy, okay, yes, then I'll agree. Then you have probably five to seven years of elite cornerback play. But that's only one guy in the whole league who does that. I mean, what's your odds of getting that? There are a lot of guys who get 10 sacks. I think that your your opportunity to get someone who is a true difference maker is just higher and their long-term value is higher on the defensive line, even if the positional value analysis tends to lean toward corners. But one thing you'll find is, is like, if you look at PFF and like what they've done with like wins above replacement, how much someone was actually worth, a corner might be worth – almost a full win by themselves if they have a great year Mm -hmm. and almost nothing if they don't and you'll see good players that have great reputations and make pro bowls have both throughout a career and and it's very rare that you find someone who's super consistent from year in and year out and those guys are the great players who make the hall of fame that's tough to get with the 12th overall pick so uh let me ask you before we wrap up uh do you have any thoughts about the top of this draft because it seems like just about the most boring top of a draft in a really long time, like, I just did the draft sim, and Kayvon Thibodeau goes number one. I still think he's going number one, by the way. Okay. I uh, think he's
0: been—I've been seeing him slip down mock drafts a little bit for various, I have too. I, I just feel
1: like this is the—I the, don't know. Oftentimes, we sort of get too caught up in what happened in the guy's senior year or whatever else— but the, he's the freakish talent that's coming off the edge, and they need that. But, maybe I mean, I could be completely wrong. He's not the odds-on favorite to go number one.
0: Yeah, well, I was just – my friend who I'm staying with uh, in Indianapolis is actually, weirdly enough, a, a Jaguars fan. And he was asking me yesterday about who I think will go one. And I, I think as, as tempting as it would be for the Jaguars to take Thibodeau or, or Aiden Hutchinson, or I, I think they kind of have to go with the tackle – just because you have Trevor Lawrence in place and yeah. everything you do needs to be about protecting him and maximizing him and getting over that kind of ugly rookie year that started with Urban Meyer and uh, was, was just a mess. Uh, and, and putting Doug Peterson in place, uh, I think, was a good a good step in that direction. But I think they have to take um, either Neal or Aquanu, or one of those top tackles. But, like, yeah, it is it is kind of boring when a tackle goes... It's like the 2013 draft, right, oh gosh, where yeah. like, Eric Fisher and um, Luke Jekyll or whatever were the top two picks at tackle, and that that's kind of the counter-argument to the 2017 thing, where like I think in 2013, everyone was like, these quarterbacks suck, and uh, they were right. The quarterbacks did suck. So it, it can go either way when it's perceived as yeah. a bad quarterback, or when it's perceived as a good quarterback draft, and yep. the top guys are don't become very good that's um, really the point yeah is
1: that you just don't, you, really you just, know. You just don't although know. the one thing about the 2013 draft is that none of those guys were considered first round talents yeah. like one guy got picked in the first round right it was just one it was just EJ manual I think so yeah and going into it I don't I don't remember anyone even saying EJ manual is a first round talent you're right and what the numbers have found is that the more you reach the more likely it is to be a bust and that was a humongous reach. In fact, I think the Bills even traded down and still ended up reaching yeah. on EJ Manuel. So that's kind of the point: is if someone is a first round talent, then you don't know. But EJ Manuel was not a first round talent, and they just like Ponder wasn't. And they reached, and Mike Mayock had a conniption on TV that night. So yeah, uh, I'll say there, there's a lot of
0: interesting guys in this draft. It's a it's a deep edge rusher draft um, where I think the Vikings would have. Even, I mean, Hutchinson and Thibodeau are going to go early, very early. Um, I think George Karloftis, the Purdue guy, might yep. might be gone as well. He might not. I'm not sure. But, like, Trayvon Walker and David Ojabo, and they're, they're a bunch of guys uh, who are intriguing. Uh, Jermaine Johnson who went to Eden Prairie High School uh, and was really good at Florida State this past year. There's a lot of interesting guys like that. Uh, there's also I, – I I don't want to make it sound like we were, like – Trashing the corners or anything because I think Sauce Gardner is awesome, and I think it's looking more like he's not going to be there at twelve. I think he's been like the most mocked guy to the Vikings. Him and um, Derek Stingley, the LSU corner, mm-hmm. who's kind of slipping a little bit. Um, if one of those two guys is there, they would be awfully tempting just because the Vikings need corners, and I, it wouldn't be dra- just drafting for need. Like those guys are re- really good and have a ton of potential. And that is a very important position. So um, they're going to ha- they're gonna have a lot of options. And, and the quarterback thing is 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 going to be a part of that w- that we discuss going forward as well.
1: Yeah, I, I don't want to trash the corner idea either because they need that really badly. There's just something that sort of pops in my mind about corners where if it doesn't go super well with an edge rusher, they can still contribute in some way. Like maybe the guy's a situational player or something. He didn't want def- him at eight sacks.
0: He wasn't. They weren't, weren't valuable. Don't even, don't even go but. there.
1: Uh, but uh, with a corner, if the guy's bad, you just can't even put him on the field. Yeah. Like, there isn't situations or let's use his athleticism for this or that. Like, no, yeah. it's just that and they'll we've attack seen some
0: horror show yes, corner playing time over the past two years.
1: All right. Uh, well, we could just keep talking football forever, but we've got things to write and things to do, and one more Kevin O'Connell press conference to cover. And, uh,. So we'll uh, we'll get to that, but I appreciate your time, Will. Follow Will on Twitter at Willragatz, which is r a g a t z s i dot com. Yeah, is where you cover the Vikings. I'm glad you got to come, man.
0: Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Thanks for uh, thanks for pushing me to come, and uh, thanks for having me on the show.